0: Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, please visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. We're looking at the book of Revelation, seeing the curtain pulled back, and uh, we're going to continue to do that as we engage in Revelation chapter 13. So if you got your Bibles or maybe you got your iPhone, your iPad, you want to get to Revelation chapter 13, uh, that would be fantastic. And by the way, let me just say that this is a passage, whether you realize it or not, that people in the church and people outside the church are somewhat familiar with. Uh, The reason I say that is because this is the chapter in the Bible that talks about the mark of the beast, 666. Yay, aren't you glad to be talking about this today? Uh, This is one of those complex passages that uh, we're going to be getting to, and yet I I think that oftentimes we get to this passage, this conversation gives birth to fear, and I hope that maybe that's been your experience. My, My hope is that this conversation, as we get to Revelation chapter 13, wouldn't produce fear, but actually would produce faithfulness and and hope that there be a sense of invitation coming from Revelation chapter 30. I hope that makes sense the more I go along in it. But again, this is one of those passages that people, whether they realize it or not, people are familiar with we're going to talk about it. Uh, we're not avoiding it. We're going to go diving right in. So here we go. Hey, uh, let, me, let me just talk about branding uh, and marketing. You, you, know, you know, very, very. I mean, branding in these days is typically a positive conversation. People talking about about brands and communicating the meaning or uh, of their company through a brand. Like, all you have to do is put like a swoosh, like the one that's shown up on your screen. You put that swoosh up there. I don't. You don't even need to see the word Nike. You know that if that swoosh is on a t-shirt, if that swoosh is on a pair of shoes, that that's a product manufactured and was, was owned, sold by Nike. You see uh, this next logo, it says Amazon, it has that that under arcing arrow that kind of looks like a smile, because in in the original days, the word Amazon was there, and it communicated that they sell everything from A to Z. That's why you got that arrow swinging from the A to the Z. But you know what? They've updated their logo, and now all you have is that under arcing arrow. Uh, you see a box on your porch and it has that little logo on it. You know that came from Amazon. You're driving down the highway and you see a truck that's got, looks like it's got a little smile on it. You know that is a, that's a truck. That's an Amazon, a trailer full of packages, uh, ready for delivery for, for Amazon. Branding in our day and age communicates ownership. And um, But you're probably also aware that actually, while we look at that positively today, branding actually has a much darker history. Go back to the Roman Empire, an age of slavery, and when slaves were trying to uh, free themselves and, and come out from underneath their oppressive masters, they run, and if they were caught, they were taken back to the courts, and a, a piece of metal was heated up to just red hot heat. And, uh, and that, that runaway slave in the Roman days would have the letters FGV uh, burned, seared into their flesh, typically on the right back shoulder, and then they were condemned to row in the galley of Roman ships, naval ships, oring, or rowing, or rowing for the rest of their lives until they took their last breath here on earth. It's a dark history. Or go forward into the Revolutionary War. Uh, Holger Hook in his book called The Scars of Independence talks about that when patriotism was really at an all-time high during the Revolutionary War, if someone was discovered that they were a loyalist to Britain, to King George, at times they were arrested, captured, a piece of metal, heated up. The letters G and R, George Rexus, Latin for King George, uh, seared into their right cheek. Well, Hook, in his book, Scars of Independence, captures that brutal moment, simply saying, to communicate to everyone, that mark, that brand on them communicates that these are traitors. They've, they've committed the, the act of treachery, and they're loyal to, 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 to Britain. And you know, in our own nation's dark history of slavery, that this very thing happened as well. Like a rancher branding cattle, people owned other people, and, and this people were kidnapped uh, from, from from Africa and brought to the West. Many of them branded as slave masters, just communicated ownership. Uh, a, a gentleman by the name of John Ryland, in his book, Memoirs of a West India Planter, tells one of these horrific stories. Um, he shares a story of when he was 14 years old when he sees this very thing, this very branding take place. He writes, When I was 14, I I saw a newly purchased set of Africans of both sexes and of various ages branded. One of the party, a boy of 14, shrieked and twisted himself in such a fearful way and at the same time looked so piteously at me that I began to feel frightened and sick and I left the place in haste. Friends, why am I sharing these dark stories that, I mean, frankly, just the thought of them begin to nauseate you? The reason that I'm sharing this, because we get to Revelation chapter 3. Hear me loud and clear on this. The beast wants to brand you. The beast wants to brand people. The beast, as we're going to talk about here in a few moments, the beast wants to declare ownership of people. Why? Well, Rob Ashton did a fantastic job last week explaining the why. Because Christmas, friends, was a declaration of war. Revelation chapter 12, we see that Jesus breaks in. He takes on flesh. This is a declaration of war, and the dragon Satan knows it quite well. So what's he do? He goes after Jesus. And that battle, that skirmish is captured in the Gospels as the story of Herod sending his soldiers to Bethlehem to kill all children under the age of two. Because the dragon is trying to swallow up the Messiah. But an angel has warned Joseph in a dream and the Messiah and his parents are able to escape to Egypt. And so the dragon is enraged. He's angry. And so he redirects his anger from the Messiah onto the people. The very people who will follow him. In fact, all people who have a chance to to follow him, to, to rob them of their inheritance that is theirs in Christ. Friends, the beast wants to brand you. He wants to brand all people. He wants to keep people from understanding the good news that is found in Jesus Christ. And when we get to Revelation chapter 13, this is what we find. Now, let me just rail, lay some tracks for us of where we're going today. Because again, this is a complex passage. I want to try and put some pieces together for us as well as get to the so what. Well, what does it have to do with us here and now? Well, here's where I'm going. We're going to talk about what are the beasts, and then we're going to talk about so what is the, the mark of the beast and, and how does he go about, how does the beast go about branding people? And then we're going to get, really get to this. So then how do I resist the mark? How does that practically Happen. What are the beasts? What's the mark? Yep, I'm going to try and attempt to answer that. And how, how's the, the beast go about branding people? And then how do we resist? So let's just dive in. I'm going to read in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, I begin reading these, these beginning verses as we tackle this uh, complex passage. Uh, Revelation 13. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns, with ten crowns on its horns, and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. The beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave the beast his own power and authority and throne and great authority. Verse 3 says, I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they also worshiped the beast. Who is as great as the beast? They exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? All right. We've been talking about how passages in the book of Revelation almost function as code for John as he's writing. These are these are like hyperlinks. You know, you, you hover your cursor over a, a document and you click or you hover your mouse over a, a section of text and you click and it transports you somewhere else. That's what's happening in Revelation chapter 13. Because frankly, there's these two beasts. This first beast, it seems pretty clear who this beast is. Because if you see this as a hyperlink and you follow it to Daniel chapter 7, well then you begin to read some things that sound quite familiar. So let's go there. Let's go to uh, Daniel chapter 7 and and look at what is being said here. We'll put the words on the screen. Uh, it, it says in my vision that night I Daniel saw a great storm churning the gr- the surface of a great sea. Pay attention to that. With strong winds blowing from every direction. Huge beasts came up out of the water, each different from the others. The first beast was like a lion. Then I saw a second beast, and it looked like a bear. And we'll keep going. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared, and it looked like a leopard. I'm condensing these four verses for us because I want you to see the familiar concept here in the book of Daniel. We've got a lion, we've got a leopard, we got a bear. In Daniel chapter seven, we got the same thing happening in Revelation chapter thirteen. So what are these? Go a little bit farther in Daniel, and we we go to to to, to verse seventeen. And what we will read in verse 17 about these very same beasts, are, uh, are uh, chapter 7, verse 17, these four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. Okay, I'm throwing a lot at you right now, but here's, where I'm, here's what I want you to see. Scripture interprets for us this first beast. Daniel is talking about a beast that looks like a leopard and a lion and a bear. And, 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 and there's other details there. I've condensed some of those verses for us. John is using some of that same kind of description. Both are coming out of the sea. And then Daniel tells us that these are four empires. Friends, here, here's the identity of the first beast. The first beast is simply this. The first beast is the state. It's the empire. It's government. It's politics. Beast number one is the state, and, and that becomes very clear as we, as we look at Scripture. But then we move a little bit farther, and we see the identity of the second beast revealed for us. Revelation 13, beginning in verse 11, that I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns that looked like those of a lamb, and he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast and he required all the earth and his people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound has been healed. By the way, let me just pause there because this first beast seems to keep having this fatal wound, but then it's healed. And I think what, the, what most theological scholars would tell you is that an oppressive regime arises... And then it goes away and it seems like we have peace. And then another oppressive regime, another oppressive empire arises and then it goes away. And then another one, this is Daniel sees four of them. They keep coming back. 13 verse 13, he did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to the earth from the sky while everyone was watching. That should remind us of the ministry of Elijah. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded, then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die, which should remind us of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being forced to bow down along with everyone else to a statue. John is purposely bringing up Old Testament stories to help us understand what he's trying to communicate. Friends, beast number one is the state, it's the empire, it's government, it's politics. Beast number two, actually, if you go a little bit farther forward in Revelation, you go to chapter 19, verse 20, and you get some more description of this second beast. It says, "...but the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, uh, who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image." Beast number two is then called the false prophet. A little bit farther along, it's, he's almost a PR consultant for beast number one. Look, it seems like, and we have to have humility when we come to the book of Revelation. We talked early on about this. It seems like it's very clear beast number one is the state, the empire, government. And it seems like beast number two is clearly false teaching. In the classic sense of the false world religions, as well as in the classic sense of false teaching that arises in the church and distracts it from walking in the way of Jesus. And all you have to do is read the seven letters to the churches and you'll get examples of both. So friends, what are the beast's? What are the be- Beast number one is a state. Beast number two is uh, false, false religion, false teaching. And if you need an example of that, just go to Holy Week and look at Jesus being crucified. And who is it that orders him to be crucified? The state, represented by Pilate. False teaching, represented by Caiaphas, who's whipping up the crowds to say, crucify him, crucify him, as they want the world rid of Jesus. Okay, second question. So what is the mark? And how does the beast go about branding? Because remember, the, the beast wants to brand you. The beast wants to brand people to keep them from knowing the joy of salvation in Jesus Christ. And, and th- yeah, then we'll get to the so what. So what do we do with all this? We're, we're going there. Stick with me here. Okay, so, so, so what is the mark? Um, well, let me just stop here for a moment and just simply say, Friends, this is where I, there's all these theories, a lot of, I would even say, conspiracy theories. I grew up uh, watching some movies as a kid that were capturing ideas and theologies about the end times. And frankly, they scared me to death. People disappearing, being raptured, other people being left behind. And those being left behind, that then getting some kind of barcode put on their forehead and on their right uh, right hand. And, and there's this persecution and it just... All these horrific images. And it literally put me in a tailspin as a kid, like three years, wondering, am I good enough for Jesus? Am I going to get left behind? And, and if I am left behind, what, happen, am, what happens if I take the mark? And it frightened me. And perhaps you have been influenced by some of that as well. Um, I remember the first time I came to the U.S., Went to a grocery store, made some purchases, and as my purchase was placed on the checkout stand and the person behind the counter grabbed it, they ran it over this hellish-looking red light, and suddenly information showed up on their screen of the price of my product. And to me, in my growing up, and my background, it was like, oh, my goodness, it's happening. The only missing thing from that whole experience was a little smell of sulfur and some smoke emanating from the checkout stand. Because I'd I'd been told that, you know, this is probably where things are going. The the mark of the beast is going to be a barcode put on your right hand or on your forehead. Or it's going to be some kind of chip that Bill Gates is working on that's going to sneakily slip in. And we're going to have to have it. It's the COVID vaccine. It's all these ideas of what it's going to be. And again, let's have humility. Let, let's be wise. And you know what? I, I'm not going to, if there is some chip that you got to, I'm, I'm not lining up for that. But frankly, friends, I, I I think the enemy is a little more clever than that. And I think as he seeks to brand, the beast wants to brand you. He wants to brand us. I think he's going to be pretty crafty about it. And let me just propose another idea for us if you were paying attention as i was dedicating children today you heard me read a passage from deuteronomy chapter 6 moses is wanting the people to be faithful to god in the promised land and so he's saying hey talk about these commands of god with your children quite frequently and tie them as reminders to your forehead and tie them to your hands as reminders In fact, tie them to the doorposts of your house. Here's what Moses is saying. Friends, may your thoughts be entirely consumed by the laws and the commands of God. May they be so so much on your mind that actually they begin to transform your affections and your desires. And whatever you put your hand to is actually an outworking of what you've been spending your time thinking about. The commands of God. And... This actually then becomes the fruit on the tree, Jesus said. You you know a tree by its fruit. I think John could be alluding back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he's saying this mark of the beast. It says that, 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 you know, use wisdom, number 666. Remember, 6 is the the mark of, of, it's the number of men. Men We were created on the sixth day. And 666, and number 3 is this idea of completeness. so it's, complete humanity and all its fallenness i think what the mark could be is simply as the beast is marking people he's actually making the beast is making people beastly because the things that they're thinking about have actually caused them to take on the character of the beast. In fact, this is what Scripture, frankly, teaches. If you fast forward to Revelation chapter 14, a little bit farther, uh, here, here's the words that you, you're going to read. They're going to uh, pop on the screen uh, for us. They have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark, listen to this last three words, of his name. Okay, what's that mean? Is it literally the name? I don't, I don't think so. Now, back in those days there's this thing called gematria which you know letters in your name gave some numerical value kind of like roman numerals and and some have suggested that, but you know you take a name like 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 you know caesar nero you add those up it equals to six 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 so i tried that with my my own name and phew my, my my name adds up to 1085 i'm clear i got some news for you about brian candela but we'll get to that next week but it, 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 maybe it's that but it, Our Bible says it's the mark of of a man. But actually, if you look at the original language, and most scholars will tell you this, it's the mark of man. I think, especially when you look at Psalm 124, verse verse 8, we get some more information about what it means to have a mark of a name. In fact, uh, here's what it says. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Is our help in the, na- the actual name? Is like, if I say Yahweh enough, does that mean I'll be delivered? Is that what the psalmist is saying? Or is he saying, my help is in the character of the Lord, the merciful, compassionate, rescuing love, deliverer that God is? That's what the psalmist is saying. So if we fast forward our conversation to, to Revelation and we say, what's the mark? I, I, I think, again, we need humility. It, 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 could, it could be a barcode that's coming. It could be a chip. But I think what John is simply trying to say is, here's how the beast brands people. He actually gets them to behave beastly, which is why the mark of Jesus, which we'll get to, is not about embracing the character of the beast, but about embracing the character of Jesus. And that, friends, shouldn't be something we should be afraid about because that's exactly the journey that we are all on. Now, how's the beast going about? We talk about what the mark of the beast is. How's the beast go about branding people? Three specific ways you see this in scripture. First one is persecution. Just think to the early church. You think about the letters to the seven churches. Think about the letters to the church in uh, in Pergamum where it says, Church, you've been faithful. My faithful witness, Antipas, was put to death, but you did not deny your faith. Persecution is one way that the beast, remember, state, the empire, government, will come after those who are following Jesus and persecution be one way to get them to capitulate, to compromise, and be branded. Second way is through pressure. Think about the letter to the church of Smyrna where Jesus is simply saying, you know, in a few few days you're gonna be tested, some of you are gonna be put in prison. And friends, sometimes the beast, the empire, the false teaching combined, and the way that they're going to try and brand you, the way they're going to try and get you to capitulate or compromise is through pressure, economic pressure, relational pressure. And then the third way that the beast seeks to brand is through seduction. Think about the letter to the church of Laodicea. A uh, people are saying, we got everything we need. We're rich. We're wealthy. We're, we're self-reliant. Things are going good. And Jesus says to them, you're naked, blind. You, you, you should be ashamed. And they've been seduced. And let me just say this, friends. In America today, no one is losing their life for having faith in Jesus. In America today, no one is being imprisoned for their faith in Jesus. So can we just say, if those two strategies are not in play, guess which one is? Seduction, the dragon, the beast, attempting to fill our minds with all kinds of ideas that impact our affections that in are worked out through our hands. Friends, what are the beasts? The state, false teaching, inside and outside the church. Uh, what is the mark? I simply think it's taking on the character. It's it's becoming beastly, and the dragon seeks to brand, the beast seeks to brand through the strategies of persecution, pressure, and seduction, which then gets us to our last pathway as we uh, finish our look at Revelation chapter 13, and that's simply, okay, how do I resist the mark? How do we resist being branded by the beast and be marked by Jesus? Let me just kind of, we'll just dive right in here real quickly. The first one is simply this. We, we need to recognize the strategies. We've already done that. We've talked about persecution. We, we've talked about pressure. We've talked about seduction. And maybe maybe our obsession with chips and barcodes and, and all that it actually in that process, as we've been so worried about not taking that on, could it be that we have been seduced already and the brand is making its mark? John is saying to us, he who has ears, let him have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. So recognize the strategy. second thing I'd say is this, render appropriately. Uh, what, I mean, what I mean by, by this um, render well, this, is, this is a moment where Jesus is confronted by religious leaders and they're trying to trick him. And they're asking the question, do we pay our taxes to Caesar? And Jesus responds by saying, hey, give to Caesar what Caesar's, render to Caesar what Caesar's, and render to God, give to God what is God's. What is Jesus saying? Look, here's what you need to know. Jesus is not down on government. He's not down on government. Actually, we've been talking about this, that that he's established the governing authorities. And actually, the church, us, we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to honor our leaders, not slander them. We're supposed to pray for those, those governing authorities, and we should be the best citizens our governments have ever experienced. Yet Jesus is also saying that, friends, we need to maintain a healthy suspicion of government. That oftentimes what happens is as governments are ordained by Jesus or by God, that oftentimes what happens is they behave beastly and they can move into oppression. And so while we must be the best citizens our governments are seeing, at the same time, we need to discern when, when, when is our allegiance to government actually getting in the way of our allegiance to Jesus? Friends, we talked about that already on January 3rd on that weekend sermon. I'm not going to repreach that sermon. Go back and listen to it if you'd like. But we can't give our... We are kingdom citizens first and then citizens of whatever country we are a part of. And we must never give our allegiance to Jesus to anything else. And so we must render appropriately. In fact, John will go as far to say that when we begin to worship politics, when we begin to worship the state or the empire, in fact, what we're doing is worshiping the dragon. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Last one. Also begins with the letter R. This sermon is brought to you by the letter R. I think Sesame Street used to do that. Recognize the strategies, render appropriately, rhythmically Repent. Ah, uh, repent. Don't you just love that word? It, it's actually a beautiful word. And I think we've come to misunderstand it. Look, he, he, here's what Jesus is. See, some of you, when you hear the word, word repent, you imagine somebody dressed in camel hair who eats grasshoppers wagging their finger at you, telling you, you you're, they're condemning you, they're shaming you. That's not what's happening here. Actually, the word repent is a beautiful word. It's, it's, it literally means to, t- to turn. Yeah, I think you know that. But it's, a, it's like an invitation of a lifetime. It's the golden ticket. It's, it's the backstage pass. It's just, you know that Xfinity commercial where they put a couch like on the field? That's what it is. It's access. That's what this word is all about. And if you need proof for it, all you have to do is go to the letter that was written to a seduced church, to Laodicea. Jesus is saying, you're lukewarm, you're blind, you're naked. You need to buy gold and silver. You guys are a mess. And he tells them to repent. And he's not wagging his finger. Actually, what he's doing is he's knocking on a door. Think think about this. Jesus is knocking on the door saying, repent, because he wants to have dinner with you. He wants to sit down at the table and have conversation with you. This is about access, friends. Rhythmic repentance, a daily sitting down and saying, okay, how do I need to turn back to Jesus? And you do that on daily, a weekly, a monthly basis, even annually, because that's actually what the, the, early, the, uh, the, the early followers of God, Israel, did through the, some of their festivals. It was, a, it was a, a rhythm of repentance, of taking up the invitation, not for the purpose of condemning. Friends, Jesus is not a shamer. Jesus is not a condemner. He's inviting you into a revived life. And if we accept this invitation, guess what that gives birth to? It gives birth to awakening. It gives birth to revival. Individually, Jesus is knocking on the door. You open that door, guess what? You get to spend time with Jesus. And then it begins to happen corporately, and the church comes alive. It's beautiful. We must not buy into the lie that repentance is some horrible word. It's a beautiful word. It's imitation for access. Jesus. Some of you right now, Jesus is knocking on the door. He's inviting you, not to condemn you, not to shame you, but to get access and to have dinner with him. Friends, the beast wants to brand you, but as you say yes to Jesus and you invite him in, guess what happens you start tying his commands. His spirit begins to shape the defection, the affections of your heart, and your hand gets set to the things of the kingdom of God. And you get to Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, and you see 144,000 marked by Jesus. That's next week. But here's what's for us Yes, the beast wants to brand you, but greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. So don't fear. But recognize, probably seduction right now is the main strategy. He might move to pressure, harassment. How is he seducing you? Us, me. Now let's render appropriately. Let's give our allegiance to the one who deserves it, who's worthy. And let's rhythmically repent. We get to have dinner with Jesus. And as we do, the church is revived. I'm revived. I'm awakened. You're awakened. Oh, and the best is yet to come. Let's pray about these things. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And let's just start right here. Would you just pose the question to Jesus? Jesus, what are you saying to me today? Jesus, what do you want to know about? What do you want me to know about you today? For some of you, you just need to know he likes you. He really does. You're not disqualified. You spent too much time focusing on your mistakes and not on the one who's forgiven you of your mistakes. I free you from unnecessary shame, the dragon has spoken over your life. Now, Jesus, what do you want us to do? And I see you knocking. And I see people who perhaps once resisted going to open the door And there's a feast. Now, Lord, may your dear ones feed on you like they've never fed on you before. You're here. You're with us. Wherever we are, wherever we're gathering this weekend, you are here. And you are waking us up. And you are reviving us. And for that, we are grateful. We pray all these things now in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.